One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilton, and this is episode 79. For today's episode, I'm going to share with you my number one absolute favorite marketing strategy that I pull out of my marketing toolbox anytime I get stuck with what to write. This strategy is pretty much foolproof when it comes to making sure you never get stuck staring at a blank page. And then because I'm a bit of an over-deliverer, I'm also including some favorite, easy, quick marketing writing tips to help you clean up what you've written and make it as effective as possible. I'm really excited about this episode. But before we get started, a couple of things up front first. One, let's talk about content. One thing I hear over and over again is, I can't figure out what to say in my marketing. If that sounds like you, you will love today's episode. And also, I have an awesome workbook that will help you come up with a ton of content ideas your audience will love. To download it, head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash content. Second, I invite you to join other values-driven small business owners for inspiration, accountability, and lots of business and marketing strategy. This all takes place in the free Facebook community for this podcast, The Good Business Community. The link will be in the show notes, or you can head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash community to be redirected. Finally, if you love this podcast, I would love for you to help to spread the love. I would be honored for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher to help others find the podcast. And second, if you could take a screenshot while you're listening and tag me on Instagram at Lauren Tilden, I would so love to connect with you and cheer you on. Okay. So let's get started with today's episode, all about my number one favorite exercise that helps me write marketing copy that really connects with people. It is called the no feel do exercise. And what it is, is this before you sit down to write anything for your business, be it marketing copy, website copy, a marketing email, a social media post, whatever, before you sit down and start writing, ask yourself to answer these three questions. Number one, what does my ideal customer need to know after reading this? Number two, what does my ideal customer need to feel after reading this? And number three, what does my ideal customer need to do after reading this? Now, this sounds simple, but I hope you won't underestimate it just because it seems easy. Answering these three questions, and I mean pen to paper or keyboard to computer, not just vaguely in your head. Answering these three questions will help you move your ideal customer forward in their journey with you and your business. So let's dig in a little bit deeper to each of these questions. The first question is, what does my ideal customer need to know after reading this? This question does two things. First, it takes care of the practical details. 
This question really at its core is a practical step. This is your chance to get super clear on what the goal of this piece of content is and therefore what your reader needs to know. For example, if you're running a sale, you would want to make sure your reader knows the timeline of the sale, what the sale applies to, the coupon code, any fine print that applies, etc. If you're hosting an event, what you would want your reader to know would be where it is, what time it's at, how the person can get registered, etc. And if you're sharing about a product launch, you'd want to make sure your reader knows all about what the product actually is, how people can buy it if they want it, when it's going to be available, etc. Making this list up front of practical details to share is super helpful in making sure that you don't leave something important out. The other thing that this question, what does my ideal customer need to know after reading this, does is prompts you to tell your ideal customer whatever they need to know in order to care about whatever it is you're sharing. In other words, this is a place to share about the benefits of your product, sale, event, etc. to your ideal customer. Let's go back to a couple of the examples I just used to illustrate what I mean here. So if you're running a sale or doing a product launch, not only would you want your ideal customer to know the practical details about the sale, but you'd also want them to know how making a purchase of whatever it is you're selling will benefit them in their lives. Or if you're hosting an event, you'd want to share both the concrete facts about when and where the events takes place, as well as telling your ideal customer what they would learn or experience at the event that would be worth their while. So we have addressed the no part of the equation. Let's talk about the feel. The second question is, what do I want my ideal customer to feel after reading this piece of marketing? The way we write and communicate carries a feeling with it. I used this example in a previous episode, but I'll share it again. So imagine you just adopted a puppy and you want to text your friend about it. Do you say, hello, I just adopted a dog? Probably not. I think you'd probably communicate it with a lot more excitement and exclamation points and copious photos. These are two different ways of communicating the exact same piece of information that you got a dog. But the emotion associated is so much different. This might feel a little woo-woo to some of you, but I hope you'll give it a shot. When we write, we do have the power to convey an emotion. It could be excitement. It could be a sense of calm. It could be encouragement. The point of this question in the exercise is really to challenge you to think about what emotion you want your marketing to convey to your audience and to really lean into that as you create your content. And I do want to make a side note here. I personally believe that we shouldn't take this power that we have to convey emotion lightly. A lot of traditional marketers will tell you that a great way to approach marketing to your customer is to stir up a pain point in them, to agitate a pain point. Remind them about how much they're struggling with something so that you can then present your product as a solution. I want to very strongly encourage you not to do this. Don't intentionally create negative emotions in people in order to sell to them. We don't have to do that. We can market effectively without resorting to emotional manipulation. And I know that you as a listener will be on board with this. Okay, so let's move on to the third and in my opinion, the most important of these three questions. What do I want my ideal customer to do as a result of reading this piece of marketing? The final part of this exercise is getting crystal clear on what you want your ideal customer to do after they're done reading. This is really talking about calls to action. You might have heard of this term, a call to action, or sometimes abbreviated to CTA. A call to action is exactly what it sounds like. It's where you define clearly what you're asking your reader or audience member to do next. Just about every piece of content you produce should have a call to action with it, usually toward the end. 
It probably won't come as a surprise that calls to action start with a verb, an action word. Here are some examples. Comment with your favorite emoji below or go to the link in my profile. Subscribe to this podcast. Sign up for my newsletter. Order your free sample. Save this post. Register for my workshop. Click this link to set up a consultation or reply to this email and let me know your thoughts. Here are a couple of best practices when it comes to calls to action. First, you want to make it as easy as possible. We want to avoid asking our readers to have to think too hard or do something that takes more than a couple clicks of a button. They will be way, way, way less likely to do it if we make it complicated. So if you really want the person to take the action, you want to make it as easy and simple as you possibly can. Second, calls to actions really work best when there's only one. For example, if you have an Instagram post that's full of great educational content, you might want to encourage the person to take action. And I totally encourage this. But as much as possible, you want to keep it to just one thing. So for example, don't tell them to comment below, save it for later, and share it with three friends. That's just too much. Instead, simply say, save this for later, and your audience will be so much more likely to comply. I actually have a whole episode about the magic of the call to action. And if you're interested in listening to that one, head to episode 47 at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 47. So there you have it. My favorite marketing exercise to help you come up with what to say when you're feeling stuck. The main reason that this exercise works so well is that it really forces us to sit down and get intentional, not just to word vomit everything we know and could possibly say about a topic, but to really think about our audience and ask ourselves these three critical questions. What does my ideal customer need to know? What does my ideal customer need to feel? And what does my ideal customer need to do? I've said this before, and I'll say it a lot more, but intention is probably the single most powerful force in everything we do in our business. When we get intentional about how we spend our limited time and resources and efforts, we're acknowledging, hey, there's a whole lot that I could be doing or saying or writing right now, but I'm going to focus on what I think is the most important and will make the biggest impact. So I hope that you will consider using the no feel do exercise the next time you know you have a piece of marketing content to write, but you just don't know where to start. Earlier on, I mentioned that I like to over deliver. So I also have rounded up a few of my other favorite marketing writing tips. These could each have their own episodes and maybe they will, but here's a top line summary of some other favorite marketing practices to help you create your content. The first one is be you. You should be able to read anything you've written out loud to a friend, and it should sound like you. The more personality you can include, the better. The more personal touches, the more phrases that you actually use, the better your writing will be. The second tip is to get visual. The best writing paints a picture in your reader's mind. For example, instead of telling you about my iced coffee, I might describe the tiny bougie cans of cold brew that Kate gets special ordered from the Midwest even though she lives in one of the coffee capitals of the world. Or I could tell you how I take my coffee, very much not black, in fact, very heavy on the milk, and that it's usually very, very lukewarm by the time I finally get it finished midway through the day. You also want to start with a bang. We're exposed to so much content every day that we've gotten to be experts at sifting through things that don't interest us. You want to make sure that what you write stands out in a sea of words and other things vying for your attention. And the best way to do that is to invest the effort up front it takes into writing a headline or a first sentence that will really catch attention. 
The next tip is to make it scannable. One of my favorite writing tips actually has very little to do with writing, and that's to remember that white space is your friend. Unless you wrote a literal book that people are reading, use short sentences, short paragraphs, and bullet points, and don't be afraid to space things out. My final tip is to edit with a heavy hand. The secret to great writing is very well summed up in Strunk and White's classic writing book, The Elements of Style. One of their principles is eliminate needless words. Anything that doesn't need to be there, remove it. Any word that is unnecessarily long or complicated, replace it. In marketing writing, the simpler, the better. I have another episode on my nine rules of writing for business that I think you will love. That's episode 21. And you can listen at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 21. Okay, so that's what I have for you today. You can find all the notes from this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 79. Writing is one of my great loves. So if you'd be interested in more episodes about writing and marketing writing, let me know. I would love the feedback. Take a screenshot of this episode in your podcast player and tag me on Instagram at Lauren Tilden. And for extra credit, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Finally, a couple of things I think you might love before I sign off. One is I have a free guide to creating great marketing content and coming up with new ideas. Download it for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash content. Second, there's a Facebook community of amazing other small business owners and great content just for the group that I would love to have you join. You can find it at makinggoodpodcast.com slash community. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.